as you're coming in and, and, you're, and you're leading us, I always feel as a team, it's so important to come in as you begin to pray and you begin to rehearse, to not just rehearse songs, but to l- rehearse in such a way where the Holy Spirit moves before anyone even comes in. To begin to pray that salvations and miracles and signs and wonders happens in the worship. And, and as you trust God in that, free, there's a, there was a moment there as you were, as, as we were singing, there was just a touch of heaven just entered the room and expect that to be a normal. And there's something God's doing in this, this group as a team. And it's like, you know, you're already out of the boat. Uh, you, you, you're beyond that comfort level space. But I feel God saying, now take your next step. Now take your next step. And as God's going to do something great in our church, it's, it often, if you know, the oil flows on, on Aaron's head and flows down the beard into the edge of the garments. I believe that starts with worship too. And, and God's going to do something supernatural through this team. So keep going, keep believing. I also feel God's going to bring, He's going to see addition into this team. And I feel this, this season that there's going to be young people that join this team. And I feel like I say, don't despise their youth. But also, it requires mentorship. Like there was an anointing that came on David Young but he wasn't made king straight away. But there was an anointing, and then there was a second anointing. As you notice people with a gift and grace, bring them in and start to mentor and coach because they're going to carry something exponential. It's like Elisha carried twice as much as Elijah, but Elisha had to walk with Elijah for seven years before the mantle was passed. I believe that there's going to be a man, it's not a shifting, but there's a, there's a journeying that sees an expansion of what God's going to do. Anyway, amen. Can we honour this team? There you go. Hello? It's very, grab your seats. It's very rare. I start by not looking at the congregation. <laughs> Haven't even looked at you, gorgeous. Look at you guys. Amazing. Are you well? Good to see you. Um, like, firstly, uh, this is my beautiful wife, Shana. Can we, she's come with me and my boys. Um, We've been married 16 and a bit years and uh, been incredible. Uh, Shans is a pa- lead pastor with me in our church and, and she's a, also a naturopath, a remedial massage therapist, gorgeous as heck. You know, she's just wonderful. And, uh, and so uh, in case you've got a crick in your neck, she's not giving out free massages after, okay? Uh, but we've got two boys, uh, Jackson, he turned 12 on Australia Day, and Jordan's eight, but he would want me to tell you he's eight and a half. Very important that you know he's eight and a half. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I love coming to be with this church. I was here a few years ago. We love your senior pastors, Rob and Pauline. Can we honor these guys? They are, they're just the real deal. And if you're a visitor or new, this is, I, I just think this, this isn't a good church. This is an outstanding church. And God's doing something here. And uh, I preached a different message in the 9 a.m. to what I'm going to preach in the 11 a.m. I did this for two reasons. Uh, I felt God say, two reasons. I felt God say uh, to share both these messages. And I was trying to work out which is the right message to share because I feel they're both linked. And, and then Pastor Rob said, Pastor Danny sort of preached two different messages last week and I'm competitive. So I said, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. So uh, I don't normally do two different messages in the morning, but, I, but both the spirit of competitiveness and the spirit of God has led me to do this today for you. And so if you weren't here in the, uh, in the 9 a.m., I, I know, not me, but I know God gave a word for the church. I felt he did. And it was a church both for you individually and for us corporately. And the word I'm going to give for you today goes with both. And, uh, um, and if you weren't able to be here in the nine, that's, that's fine. You look rested. Well done. And, uh, but listen to it and, and get it in your spirit because I believe it's a part of what God wants to do in us. Is that cool? By the way, 
What a weekend to come to Paul Lincoln. I was saying in the first service, my, my boys, I, I told them, the last few days of your school holidays, we're going on a trip. They were pumped, Bali, Gold Coast. They got a big imagination. I went, Port Lincoln. And uh, so I woke them up at four in the morning on Friday and said, jump in the car. We're driving. How far is it? Not far. It's heaps far. Uh, turns out Port Lincoln's further than we thought when you drive. And, uh, and so they didn't have much expectation. But then we came at the top of the hill and they saw the water and they're like, is that where we're staying? And we're like, yeah, that's where we're staying. We pulled up near the hotel, coming down the hill, said, that's our hotel. My boy's like, there's KFC at the bottom of our hotel. There sure is. They're like, this is the best home ever. <laughs> then we wake up and you know, you get out and people are tossing tunas, smoke meats, show bags, you know, show rides, uh, cof- uh, Boston bean coffee, Lance croissants, like, you know, Lincoln surf t-shirts. My goodness, poor Lincoln. My kids, fi- my kids think kids go to bed at night with fireworks in poor Lincoln. Like, it's like Disneyland. When the park shows fire, it's like, time to go to bed, fireworks. I literally can never let my kids come to Port Lincoln again because they think this is the normal. And I've not wanted to lie to them. They're like, is this like this every day? Every day, boys. They woke up yesterday. Woke up in the morning. Normally, like they're at the age where you wake them up and they're like, you better. I woke them up and they're like, good morning, Paul Lincoln. And they're like, they're like this is better than Gold Coast. This is be- I said, this is better than Disneyland. My bo- I can't get my boys to eat broccoli. And yesterday they ate a raw oyster. And they're like, this is delicious. It wasn't. They just love Port Lincoln. I think it's outstanding. So, well done. Well done, you. I don't know what to call you. Port Linkies? Is that what you're called? I don't know. We'll go with it. Fantastic. But I, 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 um, I had a, uh, some, what I believe was encouragement from the Holy Spirit at the start of last message, and hopefully that gets included in, in what we share. Um, so listen to that, uh, what I think God's going to do. You're in for a season of rapid expansion, miracles, signs and wonders, I believe it. I believe God's called this church to be a lighthouse to this city and that revival in Port Lincoln, and I believe in a revival. I believe in a fresh outpouring. I believe in a renewal in the church. I believe in all of that. But I, but I don't believe it can happen because of one church. But I believe that this can be a lighthouse and what God wants to do in this church can catch into every church in the city and we can see a move of the Holy Spirit, amen? Got to believe it. We can't just come in for our comfortable Christianity, tick the box, do church, go home. I said in the last, in the last message... I don't know if I have friends for this, but get ready for a season of uncomfortability because revival isn't comfortable. You ever met a farmer that went into harvest season? How was it? It was a breeze. They don't sleep. But that's the season they're all working towards. I believe there's a harvest season coming in Jesus' name. And the scripture that's just God's been speaking to me for the church, and I shared the scripture. It's not my message I'm sharing today, but I felt to say it here. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14, I believe is a pattern for revival. It says, if my people... If my people who are called by my name, notice it doesn't say if my pastor. It doesn't say if my person. So often we can think that as the pastor goes, the church goes. I believe God will respond to the prayers of a people more than the prayers of a pastor. The story all through scripture is that God responds to unified prayers of a city and a people more than just one holy person. It's actually when we all go, God, this is, there's something more for us. There's something that you're doing in us. There's something that you're calling in us. As the church prays, as the church believes, as the church serves, as the church rises up, I believe God responds. And this passage uh, in Second Chronicles, I'm not going to teach it today, although it seems like I am, it is uh, Solomon's dedicating the temple, which is a picture of you and me. And God's presence fills the temple, as I believe God wants to fill you and me. But then he says, 
There'll be seasons where enemies, disease, insects. Like, I mean, literally, if you look at what God says to Solomon's going to happen, it's what we've seen in the world lately. He says, you know, I love where my people are. But when all that stuff happens, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. We get scared with that. Repentance just means, you know what? I've been going the way of the world and comfortability, but I'm turning back to God. He says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I believe it's a passage that points to revival. Uh, The very beginning of this, the very beginning of this starts with humility and starts with praying and seeking God. And that's what I want to share today. So the first, the first message I, pre- I preached on faith and expectation. It's almost like, okay, God, I'm believing for me. Faith and expectation. I can see a miracle. Who needs a miracle in their life? Job breakthrough, a healing. A, uh, come on, lift your hands if you need a miracle today. So many of us do. I'm saying, sometimes we've got faith God can, but we don't have an expectation He will for me. And through Scripture, it wasn't just people that had faith. There were crowds around people that watched Jesus, that had faith he could do a miracle. But so often it was only the person that had expectation to push through the crowd that got the miracle. We can Churches around Australia are filled with people with faith in God. But I believe we see a move of God when we have an expectation. How many, how many of us got in the car today and all the way here, we had an expectation, God's going to speak to me today. God's going to reveal something to me today. God's going to heal me today. So often we get in the car and we just make it to church. And we've got faith that God could. But do we have an expectation God will? That's the last service. But today, in this service, if we're going to see what I believe is a great outpouring and follow the pattern here, we have to realize it's not a person, it's a people who are called by his name, no matter what anyone's labeled you or called you, called by his name, would humble themselves, which is simply this, at the start of a year, pray the prayer, David, search me. God, if there's any anxiousness, in me, if there's anything of the world in me, reveal it in me. And then the very beginning of how we see God move in your life in this church is pray. Everyone say pray. Pray and seek my face. So I want to show you just simply how to pray today. Now you might be like, that's just not what I need to hear today. Well, the reality is I guarantee if most people made a spiritual New Year's resolution at the start of the year, most people want to get better at prayer. If I ask most Christians, how would you want to grow in your faith? Most people would say, I would like to be a better prayer. I would like to know how to pray. Well, today I'm not going to reveal everything, but I want to show you one key aspect by showing you quickly three, but I'm going to land on one to show you how to pray. And it's all linked with what I shared in the first service and this scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek, pray and seek my face. So really quickly, if you want to to grow in prayer, three quick things, but the third one's my point. Number one, Make your prayers short and simple. So often we're trying to get a, to be better at prayer by praying longer. And we're going, one day when I get time to spend half an hour in prayer, pray, prayer that's when I'll pray. Now, I, I think God would rather regular, more consistent prayer than he would you waiting for the day where you just have enough time to get really good at prayer, to have enough time to pray. So I actually think God is okay with short and simple prayers. Then the second point, really quickly, I'm not staying here today, is prayer should be never ceasing. We might be here today thinking, well, if prayer should be short and simple, how can it be never ceasing? Does that mean prayer has to go on and on? No, it means ongoingly through your day, continue to pray. I find this, through when Shans and I got married, through the day, Shans would ring me, how you going? Good, what are you up to? Not much. Cool, cool, cool. All right, see you later. There was no purpose for it, but we're just touching base through the day. How's things? That's what a relationship does, right? Uh, this is actually what we do with God. 
wake up in the morning and before we grab our phone to look at Instagram to see what's changed in the world, nothing has, but we wake up and before we pick it up, say, God, thank you that I'm here today. Thank you that you're with me. Be with me through the day. I love you. As we go to open the word, before maybe having breakfast for a moment, God, reveal things to me today through the scripture. Amen. As we get in the car and take our kids to school. Hey, before we get in the car, let's just pray. God, help, our kids, help my kids today to be wise. Help them to be a good friend. Help them to listen to, their ten- to teachers. No detention in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we go and we pull in the car park of work and we're like, God, as I go into work today, the boss is a jerk. The person doesn't like me, but I pray you go with me. Give me patience and kindness to be like Jesus. You go in between a meeting and another meeting. God, I'm tired. I felt like I was treated unfairly, but now I want to represent you. Go with me. Uh, You're carrying the weight of the day and you're about to go into your home. Take an extra lap around the block and say, before I walk into my home, I throw off everything that entangles me. I go in as a mum or dad, brother or sister, mum or uh, husband or wife, and, and I pray, Holy Spirit, you refresh me and give me the grace to be present in my home before I go to bed. Holy Spirit, thank you for today. Thank you that you use me. Tomorrow I believe that you'll use me to show people to Jesus. Help me to have good rest. It's ongoing and continuously. Sometimes we overcomplicate prayer, but God is a relational God that just wants to hear from you. Amen. But the third part, this is what I want to teach on you today. The the best way to pray, if you want to be great at prayer and you want who wants to have effective prayer? This is the number one reason I think most Christians have ineffective prayers. The most powerful way to pray is a prayer for others. And it's the prayer we pray the least. Because when we pray, we're mostly praying for us. Even the example I just gave you is mostly for us. But if you want to grow in your prayer, the most effective prayer you can have is actually a prayer for others. And it goes in a combination with expectation I prayed I shared in the last message and this is why I reckon most people struggle with prayer is because prayer is actually a gift from God but even when it comes to our gifts most of our gifts are pretty selfish or they're tokenistic and often when we pray for someone and someone says you pray for me and they come to our mind we're like oh God help Mary yeah that's right she's got a bad leg amen and we've moved on it's a bit of a token gift and we we just had Christmas time we're pretty good at token gifts Come on, some of us gave some token gifts. We've got all the different types of gifts we give at Christmas. We've got the safe zone gift. That's the gift card. Who likes giving a gift card? It's like, it's, it's, you know, we're going in the safe zone. I don't know quite what to get you, so I'm going to get you a gift card. It's a little bit tokenistic, but at least it's a gift. Then we've got the fake consideration gift. What's that? That's cash. That's when you're like, hey, I just want to be considerate and give you get what you want. You couldn't even be bothered getting a gift card. So you use fake consideration. Then we've got the even Stevens gift. That's where if you spend $80, I'll spend $80. If you spend $90.20, I'll spend $90.20. We match it exactly. Even Stevens, you got your calculator out. Some of you got your abacus out. And you're making sure that the dollars match each other. Then there's the fake profit gift. That's when you buy the gift for yourself. And then you wrap it up. And just before Christmas, you hand it to the person that gives it to you. And then when they give it to you, you open it and you were like in front of everyone, how did you know? As you whisper, you still owe me the money for the present. <laughs> There's the power play gift. That's, that's the auntie that always gives wooden educational toys to kids because there's a power play, she's making a point. There's the I win gift. That's my mum does this. My mum always spends a little bit more than she should that everyone agreed to. And as the person's opening the present, she's not filming the person opening the present, she's filming everyone else's reaction. That's like, whoa, you were generous today. My, my dog gave, I've got, I've got a dog and I won't lie, my dog was a huge mistake. We thought, should we have another kid or should we have a dog? And we, were, we had two kids, so we thought, let's get a dog. And I'll tell you, I got a beagle ear and people told me, don't get a beagle, it'll drive you insane. But I got a beagle, it was a huge mistake. 
I mean, this thing's ripped off the carpets, peed everywhere. Like, uh, and, and the other day, the other day, like around Christmas time, my, my dog gave me a gift. It's an expensive gift. My Shans is walking the dog, and she rings me. And she goes, Buddy, my dog's name is Buddy. Buddy got stung by a bee. And when he got stung by a bee, he, he vomited three times, pooped, and collapsed on the floor. She's like, you got to come home. So I'm like, I'm on the way home going, this is the moment where he goes to the big kennel in the sky. They're all devastated. I'm pumped. Don't judge me. And I get home and Shans is like, Josh, I've rung the vet. They can't fit Buddy in. And I'm like, fantastic. They're like, you've got to take him to an animal medical emergency centre. Which is like, you know what that means? It's so expensive, you walk in and put your kidney on the counter straight away. Because that's how you're going to pay for this thing. And so I'm talking, I ring Shans as I'm going to the vet, and his face all puffed, and I'm like, Shans, what's the number? She's like, what do you mean? I said, well, what's the number if it's over a certain amount? We let him go to be in that kennel. And she's like, I can't choose a number. I said, okay, it's 500 bucks then. And, and so we go in to this lady at the, at the desk and I go in and I'm like, you know, he's been stung by a bee and, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe we just let him, you know. She's like, what do you mean, sir? I'm like, you know. And she's like, sir, it's a bee sting. I'm like, could have been like a killer wasp or something. I don't know. So they go and, I don't know why I'm telling this story. It's just funny. And, uh, and so... And so, we, so they take Buddy in and they give him a couple of injections and they literally bring him out and the lady's like, it's $470. <laughs> At which time I vomited three times, pooped and collapsed on the floor. <laughs> the problem is some of our gifts actually aren't actually gifts at all. That's, a, that's just a funny story. I don't know why. <laughs> hey, you know what the best gift though is? The best gift is you're the centre of my attention gift. It's a type of gift that doesn't actually come because of an exchange. It doesn't come even Stevens. It's actually not about me and my convenience. It's just a gift that someone gives you for no reason except for they love you and they want the best for you. Because say, this is what prayer should be. Prayer should be not just a tokenistic extra exchange add-on to what I'm doing in the rest of my life. It actually is meant to be a gift that we give to other people. And this is the type of prayer that God responds to. So this type of prayer is called intercession. Everyone say intercession. Now, often intercession... People think someone that's an intercessor is just someone that can pray for a really long time. And that's not me. I'm a get to the point per. Who's a get to the point person? Who's a beat around the bush person? If you don't know who you are, you're a beat around the bush person. And, and so, so all intercessor is, is not someone that can pray for a long time. An intercessor is someone that is aware of the needs of someone else and intervenes on their behalf by praying on their behalf, believing that God can do something for them. An intercession simply simply grabs someone else's needs and brings it to the one that has the answer. Now, some of you go, I'm gonna totally understand this word intercession. Let me give you a different word that's similar, but it has the same meaning, intersection. On the way home, you'll be driving home and you'll be going in one direction on the road. But all of a sudden, there is going to be an 
intersection in which another road has been placed that can take you in an entirely different direction. You see, one road intersects with another and changes the destination that you were going to. This is what happened with Jesus. When Jesus died for us, it says in Isaiah 53 verse 12, for He bore the sins of many and He made intercession for transgressors. What does that mean? It meant I was going to die because of my sin. I was on a roadway to hell. There was no way I could be forgiven. I made mistakes. I was a sinner. I fell short. I had no hope. I was filled with shame. I was on the way to death. But then Jesus came and He made intercession and created an intersection that although I was headed in that direction because of Jesus, I'm now on a new road. I have a new destination. I have a new pathway I'm going on. Jesus in His intercession for my transgressions made an intersection that took me to heaven, that took me to a new life, that allowed me to have a bridge to God. Jesus, the intercessor, made an intersection. Amen. Can we give Jesus some glory this morning? So it makes sense, right? So intercession allows people that are sick to find a pathway of healing. People that don't have a job to all of a sudden see breakthrough. Those that can't fall pregnant to suddenly believe that they can have a family. There's going down one pathway where everyone says that's a destination, but we know a God that's greater. We know a God that's above. We know the God that can make a way where there is no way. Amen. In fact, Jesus not only made intercession, I want to show you Jesus is still making intercession. So let's go to what God's doing right now. Let's go to the Holy Spirit first in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to hang in Romans chapter 8. Are you doing all well? Are you doing okay? Doing all well. Can't talk. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Oh, can some of us that the devil's made you feel bad because you don't know what to pray for? Take the weight off. Because it says in Romans, we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he searches our hearts and knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God what does the Holy Spirit pray for like you want to does the Holy Spirit have to pray he chooses to and when the Holy Spirit prays you know what he prays for not himself the Holy Spirit prays for you What does it mean? The Holy Spirit intercedes for you and He takes your needs, your weakness and your lack and He brings them to where you cannot physically go, to the throne room of God, where who's on the right hand side of the Father? Jesus is the bridge and the answer to the one who has everything we need, amen? So the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. So that was in Romans 8. So now let's go to the couple verses later. It says this, Christ Jesus, and we'll put it up at verse 34, says Christ Jesus who died, made an intersection, interceded, more than that, was raised to life, is at the, read it with me, right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So the Holy Spirit is interceding and praying for you and He's taking your prayers to Jesus who is also praying and interceding for you. So so what we see in the heavenlies is that God is interceding for us. So therefore, the most powerful prayers you can pray align with and match what God is praying for. And that is not a prayer for us, it's a prayer for others. 
You ever been in a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, me too. I believe that too. I'm doing that too right now. You ever done a cleanse and it's awful, but you talk to someone else that's doing a cleanse and they're like, me too. And you join together in unity. If, if Jesus and the Holy Spirit, here's what we're praying for and our prayers are for others. They're like, us too. And all of a sudden there's a unity. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit wants to help you by carrying your burden. But by nature, the Holy Spirit wants you to do the same for others. Cass, when was the last time you just stopped for five minutes and prayed for someone else? Just stop for five minutes. Not long. But just purely to pray for the needs of someone else. So if the Holy Spirit's doing that, and Jesus is doing that, should we be doing that? Well, 1 Timothy gives us the answer, and we'll put it on the screen. It says this, says, uh, I urge, so it's not, even, it's not even a suggestion, it's I urge. How do you pray? I urge, first of all, everyone say first of all. So when you pray, if my people, come on, who believes in revival? Who believes in a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Who believes there's more? I do. So if my people, not person, not pastor, but people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It says, first of all, that petitions, prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for you, yourself. No, for all people. So what happens is the Holy Spirit is interceding for others and you. Jesus is interceding for others and you. And therefore your responsibility is to begin to intercede for others. So your intercession makes an intersection where the destination and fruit of someone else's life can change. So let me give you this example. Say your child is away from God and it's a reality none of us hope ever happens, but it, it, it happens, right? And it's not always just because we got it wrong. It's just this world's broken. And maybe God's going to do something powerful through their life. So, so maybe it's is, is God... I can't reach them right now. I can't reach them emotionally. I can't reach them physically. I can't reach them relationally. But I thank you, God, that you saved me. I thank you that I was a sinner and I was on a pathway to hell, but Jesus came and made an intersection for me. So God, I'm standing for my child right now. And I thank you that they're your child and you love them more. And I'm bringing them to you, so protect their mind, renew their spirit, remove their friends for their life. And, and as you do, all of a sudden, while you can't reach them, you're building a bridge. You're building an intersection. You're bringing a change in their life. And God hears that prayer that is not just for you. It's not just about what you say to them. Sometimes we're like, I just got to try to convince them again and again. But they've stopped listening and keep on believing for that opportunity. And I'm not there. But what I do not in my life, my kids are young right now. But what I do know is that my intercession for others builds a bridge and makes a difference. And why do we have to pray this way? Because this is what Jesus did for us. In fact, if we're not praying primarily this way, we could be getting it wrong. And it could be why our prayers sometimes feel like they lack power. Let me, let me show you this. In, in 1 Samuel 12, it says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So, so if we're called to have a move of God, a revival, miracles, and, and listen to the last sermon, expectation of faith that God can move in your life, well, how do you spend your time praying for others instead of just yourself when you've got needs? This is the reason why we end up praying for ourselves because we need a healing too. So how do I pray for someone else's healing when I need a healing? But I need a job and I need a better car. 
I'd love a boat. Uh, 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 we're praying. Uh, I'm believing for a family. My, my mind is anxious and I'm praying. For, how do we pray for others when we have our own needs? Well, let me show you something because I think we get confused about where we sit. And when we get confused about where we sit, we end up just focusing on ourselves. So now I'm going to go to Ephesians. And it says this. Are you doing it right this morning? It says Ephesians 2 verse 6. And God, read it with me, raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So where is Jesus? He is on the right hand side of the Father and He is there interceding for who? He's interceding for you. So the Bible says now because of Jesus in Ephesians, we've been raised up with Christ and we are now seated with Him. So now let's go in Ephesians again. Watch this. Ephesians 1 verse 20 says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand side uh, in the heavenly places? Catch this. So where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand side in heavenly places. Where are we? We are seated with Him because Christ made an intersection that took me to a different destination. So where are we seated? Far above. Everyone say far above. Any principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. What does that mean? It means where you are seated in Christ, you are far above any sickness. You are far above any lack. You are far above any anxiety. You are far above any doubt. You are far above every fear. And the reality is while I live in this world in the natural, in the spirit, I have been placed in a place far above everything that I can keep focusing on and praying on. You are seated with Jesus in heavenly places far above the things that have come to take you out. And when we are, what we got to realise is that when I am seated with Him, I no longer have to worry about where I am because Jesus is interceding for me. The Holy Spirit is interceding for me and I am seated far above anything that can come against me. So rather than just praying for me, I am thankful for where God has seated me and therefore I can put my attention to praying for the needs of others. You see, Jesus is seated, so He is not praying for Himself. He realises that He is far above and He has seated you far above in heavenly places. Anything, any weapon formed against you shall not prosper. Anything that comes against you shall not take you out. Why? Because you are seated far above, so my prayers no longer have to go to me. They can go to those around me. So when the devil makes you feel like you're drowning, uh, what you feel like you're drowning in, you're already far above. And when you feel like you've been given the back end, you get the reminder that you are the head and not the tail. But when we start focusing on ourselves, we begin to think we're below. We begin to think that we're the tail and therefore we need rescuing. You're seated with Christ, but we get stuck asking for a car park. Oh God, give me two green traffic lights and running late. And our healing and protection. And if you listen to the last message, I still think you can pray for those things. But when you realize where you are with Christ, while you're praying for those things, it's much more of a thank you, God, that I'm healed. Thank you that you've made a way. Thank you that you've given me a peace that surpasses understanding. And when you rest in that peace and that grace and that understanding of where you sit, you're able to then put your attention for interceding for others. Let me show you an example from Psalm 23. What happens in the story of Psalm 23 is we start off like sheep. Meh. <laughs> 
And, and, and it's there we find ourselves in green pastures and cool waters because we're a new Christian. We're a sheep. We begin there in the nice place where we're just thankful for an intersection. God, I can't believe I was on that pathway, that roadway to destruction and shame and addiction, and yet you made a way for me. And now green pastures, cool waters, peace in my soul, a relationship with God, a community of believers. It's green pastures and cool waters. Everything's good. But God doesn't want to leave you in that place of comfort. He wants to take you to a place of maturity. So he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, who leads you? He leads you through the valley. Now, what he's doing when he leads you through the valley is he's showing you everything that he's defeated. Though those weapons are formed against you, they will not prosper. Though that attack has come against you, it will not succeed. And the one that has defeated everything that comes against you is the one who has his staff and his rod to protect and guide you, leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. But while we're walking through sickness, anxiety, lack, whatever comes against us, whatever bullying name has come your way, we begin to take our attention off the shepherd and put our attention on us. And we start to pray, oh, how will I get through this? How will I walk through this? And we put our attention to more self-focused prayers. But God, you notice the good shepherd never left us in the valley of the shadow of death. He just led us through the place where we realise that He is victorious. And there, where does He lead us? He leads us to a table surrounded in the midst of our enemies where we get to sit. What do we get to do? At the table, we get to Sit. You see, we go from a scared sheep to a seated son. And to get to a place of maturity where you are no longer an immature scared sheep to a mature son, a son and daughter in Christ, an heir in the kingdom, a king and a queen in the kingdom. You're brothers and sisters with Jesus. You're seated with Him in heavenly places. He wants you to get to a place of maturity and we're seated far above all other things but we're still praying for ourselves. We're seated in the midst of our enemies. We're still surrounded. I'm not saying this world doesn't have turmoil. I'm not saying life's easy. There are enemies surrounding us on every position, but you are seated far above with Christ. So it's there in that seat and the keys can come. We get to start thanking God for what He's taken us through and stop focusing on ourselves and start believing and praying for others. See, it's here that as the church begin to pray and seek His face, not just for me, but for us and our community that hasn't had an intersection moment. As we begin to pray for those that are walking through the valley at this very point, knowing that someone else is praying for your needs, knowing the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, knowing that Jesus is praying for you, we come into alignment with Him and our prayers increase in power. So we can pray every day for a job and we should but they will come and go and we can say God I pray today that you help my day but I've found that there'll be another one tomorrow we can pray that Pastor Rob wins a tuna toss next year but it's not going to happen but but a prayer that you pray for others lasts forever Maybe as a church, we would see more miracles 
if we were committed more for praying for others than just for ourselves. Because a church that just comes to have their needs met is actually a selfish church. But Jesus, in his last moments, prayed for the unity of the believers. And to this moment, still intercedes for you so that you can intercede for others. What did Jesus pray for in the upper room? He prayed for his friends. What did Jesus pray on the cross? He prayed for others, forgive their sin. They don't know what they do. What is Jesus still praying now? He's praying for others, for you. So prayer for others is not about how powerful your words are. And it's not about how powerful you are. But a prayer for others makes God say, oh, me too. I'm praying for them too. I'll finish with this one. My sister-in-law, Haley, uh, when she was engaged to my brother, had never been to church before. And the way she came into church was by coming to a connect group, which is why it's so important to be part of a small group. And at the end of each small group, what we'd do, connect group, we'd, we'd pray for the needs of others. And we just found this thing that every time we prayed for the needs of others, miracles would happen. We'd ask each other every day, would you pray for the needs in this group? And we'd send it on WhatsApp and share the message around. And this person needed a house. This person needed a healing. This person needed peace. And we'd find these miracles would happen. People started joining our connect group, not because they liked us, just because they needed a breakthrough. And Haley's introduction to church was, you just pray for others. And I remember one time we sat down and uh, it was early on and, and early in the meeting and we didn't even get to teach yet. And I said to someone, how are you doing? And they said, oh, I've, got a, I've had a really bad back for about two weeks now. And Haley took over the meeting and said, well, I've got that healing hand thing, let's pray. And I'm like, Haley, you'll pray when I tell you to pray. No. She, just, there was no, she didn't keep to the run sheet. She didn't keep to the plan. I never distributed who prays for who yet. She just went, isn't this what we do? We just pray for others. So she stood up, put her hand on his back and didn't, no Christianese words, said, God, whenever we pray, you seem to do things. So I pray that you heal his back. Amen. The next day he texts us all and he says, you wouldn't believe it. My back is completely better. It's completely healed. I tell you what I realised there was it wasn't about how deep she was. It wasn't about how much Bible she knew. It wasn't about how long she could pray for. And it wasn't about how spiritual she was. But she just simply understood the most powerful prayer you can pray is not just one for yourself. It's a prayer that aligns with what heaven is doing. And it's a prayer for others. So maybe you're here and you're struggling in your marriage. That's real. Pray for your partner. And maybe someone's hurt you. This could be what Jesus means when He says, bless those who curse you. And maybe you need a healing and, and absolutely we need to pray for that. And we will. Maybe thank God for your healing and begin to pray for others too. Imagine if as a church, if God had a plan, not for us just to have good meetings with us that's in the room, but a revival that saw the lost come in, to see those that had no hope walk in this room, those that were addicted and stuck, those that had not found peace in their soul, those that had no, imagine if they walked into this church and this was a church that was primarily here to pray and meet the needs of others. Imagine if someone sat in your seat, but that's okay because you've been praying that someone else would sit in this seat that had never been in a church before. 
Uh, imagine if we were a church that rather than being comfortable, said, we're going to get on our knees, humble ourselves, say, God, search me, take anything of me out of here. But God, I'm going to pray for revival in our community and revival in one another. Uh, imagine if we were people that when we wanted blessing, began to pray for someone else's blessing. Imagine if we thanked God for others when we felt insecure. Imagine if we spoke well to God about the person that frustrated us. Do you think you'll miss out? Do you think God would go, well, you didn't pray long enough for your need? No, let's go back to Romans 8.34. And it says, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for you. But you know what follows on from this Scripture? Verses we say independently, forgetting this is the prelude to it. The very next verse says this then, Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? You see, we say it when we're praying for ourselves, except it's actually connected with the fact that Jesus is already praying for you. He's interceding for you. So because of that, who can separate me from the love of God? No one. So I can start to pray for them. And then two verses later, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The reason we're more than conquerors is because Jesus made an intersection. He made intercession when there was no way. So even though I sometimes go through the valley and I'm surrounded by my enemies, I'm already seated in heavenly places. And although I have a need, I have a sickness, I have a lack, I've got one next to me that's interceding for me. So because of that, who can separate me from the love of God? No one. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. So I can get on my knees and begin to pray for you. I can begin to intercede for one another. And it's there that our prayer life begins to get on fire. It's there that God responds to the unified prayers of a church. It's there that we begin to love one another more than we love ourselves, to put them first. And I believe a church that has faith and expectation, not that God can, but God will, and a commitment to praying for one another and our community. We'll see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We'll see revival. We'll see miracle signs and wonders. And here's the thing, I believe as we align with how He prays, He'll meet your needs too. Amen. Come on, can we praise Jesus this morning? Why don't you stand to your feet? Why don't you stand to your feet? I wanna pray for us. Firstly, I'm gonna pray for your needs. Because I believe they matter to God so much. And I believe they matter to you. But then this is my prayer. That at the start of this year, we would realise there's not a pastor or a person or a, but a people that truly get the attention of heaven. And that the very first thing we have to do is humble ourselves, which is not too think, it's not, don't think too highly of yourself. And begin to pray and seek His face. And we realise that the most powerful way to pray and seek His face is actually not just a prayer for me, although that's in there, but it's a focused prayer on others. I believe He'll hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sin and we'll begin to see the revival that we know is going to be poured out. Amen. So if you've got a need right across this place, lift your hand. Physical, emotional, financial, relational. I do. Oh man, I'm not too proud, proudful to humble myself and say, God, I need you to intervene. Father, I thank you that you know every person's needs. I thank you they matter to you so much. Our kids, our grandkids, our 
our health, our job, all that. And I pray, miracle worker, move supernaturally even now. Holy Spirit, let your healing power come even now. I pray the windows of heaven that are already open will be poured out. What you have for them, the provision of heaven will be poured out into their life. I pray there'd be peace in their homes. I pray there'd be reconciliation in their families. I pray there'd be breakthrough in their situations. I come to you asking and knowing that you've already done the work. So we give you all the glory, all the honour and all the praise for what you've done. Now let it be shown and manifest in their life, giving you thanks and glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Come on, keep your hands up for a moment. So Father, I pray for this church, this beautiful church that you've called for more, this church that you're beckoning into revival, this church where has greater days ahead. I pray in Jesus' mighty Name that there would be such a burden to humble ourselves, to pray and seek your face. I pray, Lord God, that, that you wouldn't find anything of selfishness or, or anxiousness or anything that's not of you in us. And I pray if there is, that you would remove it. I pray that, Lord God, you would move it as far as the east is to the west. But I pray, Lord God, that You would call a church to prayer. I pray that You would help us in our personal walk with You. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be able to know and sense You as we come to You in those moments, short, simple and consistent. But I pray, Father, that You would give us an awareness of the needs of others. I pray You give us a passion to pray for other people's breakthrough. I pray as a church, Lord God, we would begin to pray for our community. Father, I pray for the town of Port Lincoln. I pray, Lord God, that we would see a revival in this city. I pray we'd see salvations in our schools. I pray we'd see healings in our hospitals. I pray for influence in our political realm. I pray, Lord God, in our business sector that there would be marketplace Christian influences that would go and make a difference. I pray, Lord God, the doors of the church would swing wide open and prodigal sons and daughters would come home. I pray there'd be a unity in the churches of Port Lincoln. I pray there'd be a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I pray this, Lord God, that the, the, the latter day rain will be greater than the former rain. I pray, Lord God, that there would be sons and daughters, that Lord God would see visions and dream dreams. I pray that You would raise leaders up. I pray for a new generation to come. I pray for those that have been before would come back in authority, mentoring and coaching the next. I pray, Lord God, You do something so supernatural in this city and this town in the days ahead. God, let it happen here. Let it happen in one heart church. Let it happen in our leadership. Holy Spirit, we pray for the needs of our community. We pray for those that are homeless, those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are addicted. We pray for restoration and healing in Jesus' Name. Lord God, for Tumby Bay, that there would be revival in Tumby Bay. There would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in all of the Air Peninsula. We pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be a burden for revival in this church. We ask that You would do it in us. We ask that You would do it through us and we ask that we would see it in our time. We pray this giving you all the glory, all the honour and all the praise. In Jesus' Name, everyone said, Amen. Can we thank Him one more time? God's so good. Awesome. Hey, just, just grab your seats just one last moment. And pray for one more group of people. Our church, you're incredible. God's about to do something amazing. Please listen to the words we gave in the first service. I believe it's for the church. I believe that God's going to do it through you. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, 
I understand what it is to be on a roadway and a pathway that's leading nowhere. I know what it is to know shame and disappointment and hurt and regret. But God so loved the world that He interceded for you. And He sent His only Son, Jesus, who came and lived as you and I, died in our place so we wouldn't have to pay the price for our mistakes and rose again so that we could have life. And He created an intersection. He created a new road, a new pathway that if you would just believe that Jesus is Lord and give your life to following Him, I believe that you can walk with Him to eternal life. I believe that one day when you shut your eyes, you'll be with Him in heaven. And even more right now here on this earth, you can know a peace that surpasses understanding. You can know a joy that's unspeakable. You can know a forgiveness for all that you've done wrong. And it's not that you have to create the road. It's not that you have to get it all right. It's that you just have to say yes and begin to follow Him. If you don't know Jesus, I would love to pray for you today. So right across this place, would everyone just bow their heads in a moment of privacy? If you don't know Him, I'm going to ask you simply when I count to three to lift your hand. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you sit. I'll say the words and you repeat them after me, but it's not just repetition. It's a prayer from the heart that says, God, I want to start again. God, I want you to lead me. God, I want you to heal and forgive me. If that's you, that's the most important prayer you could ever pray. Maybe you're here today and you once knew God and you've walked away. Today, we're inviting you back. If you don't know Jesus, would you say these words with me? Would you lift your hand and say, I need Jesus? Come on, if that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand. One, most important prayer you could ever pray. Two, we're praying and believing for you today. Three, would you lift your hand? Is there anyone today? Awesome. My friend, he loves you so much. Who else would say, that's me? He loves you. I want to pray for you today. Come on, is there anyone else? Say, I need Jesus. Lift your hand right across this place. Let me pray for you today. Let me lead you in this prayer. One, two, three. Come on, for my friend over here, can we pray together? And would you say these words after me, but we're going to say them all with you. They're the most important prayer you could ever pray. Let's pray together. Say these words. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, accepting me and making a way for me. I give my life to you. Lead me, love me, forgive me, and heal me from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for my friend. Let it never be the same. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Come on, can we give God praise this morning? Isn't he so good? Awesome. We love you. Thanks for letting us be able to come and minister with you. Beautiful town, beautiful people. God's got awesome days ahead, amazing leadership, amazing church.